0: on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Telling you what, Decked is a game changer. Decked has completely changed how I load, organize my truck. All my stuff that I want is always in there, out of my way, and secure. It's perfect. If you own a pickup truck that you use, you know, like a truck, the decked drawer system gives you weatherproof storage for all your gear. You can lock it up too. You keep your tools and gear organized, job site or out in the field. Go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping. Go to decked.com slash meat eater and get yourself some free shipping. Being prepared is all about having the right tools. The OnX off-road map and navigation app is the best fully functional GPS when you're out of service. Offline maps allow you to access all interactive land and trail data and custom map markups when you're out of service. Your phone's internal GPS gives you full navigation capabilities offline so you'll always know where you are and how to get home safely. Go to onxmaps.com and use code Meat Eater to get 20% off your membership today. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug bitten, and in my case, underwearless.
1: The Meat Eater Podcast.
0: You can't predict anything. The Meat Eater Podcast is brought to you by First Light. Whether you're checking trail cams, hanging deer stands, or scouting for elk, First Light has performance apparel to support every hunter in every environment. Check it out at firstlight.com. F I R S T L I T E.com. All right, everybody, saddle up. We got a great guest today, author CJ Box, who, as we're going to get into, We'll just get it. We'll get it right out in the air right now. I assumed that it was. I thought C.J. Box was too perfect for a writer, <laughs> for a novelist, and I thought his name must be like Morris. No, it's that's that's my name. <laughs> um, I used to be a
2: journalist, and, and by the way, thanks for having me here. Oh yeah, appreciate and I and when I was a, worked for newspapers, I I was all my stories were by Chuck Box. And then I moved to a little town in Wyoming chuck called Saratoga, Wyoming. And I, I went to a ranch party and a rancher once said, man, we love that, that crazy name of yours, you know, because it's on the back of a chuck wagon.
0: Yep, it I never, never seems knew seems like that. you'd be a cowboy poet named yeah, Chuck right. Bach. So yep. <laughs> it
2: was the next issue of the paper, it was C.J. Bach.
0: So you actually had to change your name away from a name that would have been a great stage name.
2: Well or Chuck Box. Or it sounds like a place for utensils on the back of a chuck yeah. wagon. Yeah. yeah. But
3: out of Saratoga, yeah. Wyoming, like it's all yeah, it's all too cute. like almost. I say,
2: I'm
0: I'm wagon wheel. Yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> but you were born in Casper. <laughs> that's right. That's okay. right.
0: We'll get into your bio. But uh needless to say, uh best selling author, New York Times best that's not needless to say. I'm gonna say that with pride. New York Times best selling author, author of uh Thirty books. That's right. And then how many in how many in the current series that you're working on now? Because this is your brand new release. That's right. Uh that is the twenty-fourth Joe Pickett novel. Yeah. So we're uh we're here celebrating um Three Inch Teeth, a Joe Pickett novel, which is the what number again? Twenty-fourth. Yeah. Do you know that I became familiar with you? I had heard your name, but I hadn't read your books until it was pointed out to me by a bunch of people that you mentioned my name in one of your books. That's right. That's right. I brought that for you as well. Yeah. And I you know, I don't know. I was, I don't know how I, I was moderately happy.
4: You should, I, mean, I think it should be
0: good. <laughs> I thought it would be, I, th- I was thinking, I would open it up thinking maybe I'm, uh, you're the hero. Maybe he really, yeah. Like I'm a hero, <laughs> like I'm widely celebrated. But you did like what you do with everything you do is you you treated it uh you know very fairly uh it was it was a sparse mention, but I took note good, good yeah my yeah. father in law who reads all of your books oh cool, uh he didn't catch it
5: <laughs> <laughs> he loves your books,'m oh, well, like great. you know what
0: i he, this is the last time he visited yeah. <laughs> He's telling me, you know, he always read every time a CJ Box book comes out, he reads it. And so I knew he read it. And I said, You didn't have noticed anything peculiar <laughs> in that book, did you? Uh-uh. I was like, okay. So he might not be your closest reader. Well, yeah. The background topic of the new book, Three Inch Teeth. Um, I feel like he's I feel like he stole it from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Might have. I I listen, you know. Okay. Well, one of the things about the CJ Box, uh, the the sorry, the Pickett novels, is that it's a Game Warden protagonist. Mm-hmm. So you do your homework, and you set it. Um, instead of setting it like in some bygone era, you set it these. It's contemporary Wyoming. That's right. With all the issues that contemporary. Wyoming is dealing with and, and the 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 changes, like the old ways of life mm-hmm. in sometimes in contradiction to intention with new people, new ways of life. And uh and right away in the book, you get into the uh Wyoming corner crossers mm-hmm. who are not from Missouri. Right. I think, uh, Pennsylvania Pennsylvania Pennsylvania. I think Pennsylvania I think they are. Pennsylvania But they do bro. have a specialized ladder. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, they them. do. <laughs> and so within this novel is baked in like this sort of like big divisive current event. And uh, when Corinne was reading it, she pointed out how um, with sort of what generosity and fairness within the novel, the generosity and fairness that you applied to the current event. So that someone reading the novel might think that this is just all out of your imagination, but it's actually you tap into these very real issues and lay out the, you know, the the, the opposing sides of these very real issues as your protagonist takes it in and, and and deals with the different sides. So it's like it's it's a really kind of an honest portrayal of a place and time. Well, that
2: I, 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 that is something I've tried to do since the very first book. For for one thing, I never set out to say, you know, the world is just waiting for a Wyoming game warden series, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I wrote one book, a book called Open Season, but the issue in that was the uh, Endangered Species Law. And it was kind of based on a real, um, the discovery of uh, black-footed ferrets near in Wyoming. On the
1: pitchfork. Uh,
2: Yeah. I was a reporter at that time. And I thought, what was so interesting to me, not that that, 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 because I'd grown up with little posters around. Picture drawing. If mm-hmm. you see this the animal, call this number. Oh, is that right?
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah, they like, thought they were might be extinct. <laughs> yeah. at that it was point. like, beware if you're going to go prairie dog hunting. Uh, yes. Right? right. Yeah. And then we came to like little
0: wanted posters for black footed ferrets. Yeah.
2: But then when they were discovered calling outside of Matisse, I found out when I was a reporter, nearly everybody around there knew they were there. And no one ever made the call. And I thought huh. that is an, in a hmm. kind of a fascinating New West. Western story, I want to retell it in this book. And uh, the protagonist was originally going to be a sheriff and then a journalist, which is what I was. And then I made him a game warden because I was doing ride-alongs with game wardens. Oh, wow. So since the very beginning, I've tried to have issues that, um, uh, you know, resonate among, I always thought if if people around me where I live in Wyoming think the books are authentic, that was success. And uh, luckily, it's worked out a lot better than that. But um, So, yeah, the, the corner crossing thing, that case is right in my backyard. My wife was called to be on the jury
5: for that, <laughs> actually. <laughs>
2: how, how did she do? She didn't get called. Uh, did she make it to the judge's She knew questions? the ranch owner, and she knew the foreman, and she knew the game warden. <laughs> but we're a lot involved in it. So she was gone. One of the Was she trying to get on?
1: She really wanted to okay. get on. I was going to say a conflict of interest might be that my husband might later— Write a book about this <laughs> that didn't come well, up. I actually need to be here yeah. because
0: my husband's going to write all about right, this in a right. novel, which would be like a big bestseller. <laughs> so I want to make sure I'm here to give him like the scoop. Judge be like, yeah, you could yeah. take off.
2: But it's such a fascinating, it's, it's one of those, it's so, I can see both sides and I'm not kidding. And I try to portray it that way. Yeah.
0: So you had formal training as a journalist then too. So you're able to apply that. As formal training as a
2: journalist can get. Yeah. Which is, I went to college. That's it. And became a journalist. So and you know, yeah. worked for little weekly newspapers. Got it. Well, this is
3: how I see uh, novels come to be, right? You're driving down the road, you're listening to the radio, and you just go, that sounds like a case for Joe Pickett. That, <laughs> it is? You know who could figure is like that, that one out? <laughs> or uh, something I overhear in the
2: post office where everybody goes. Yeah. Or, or talking to the local game warden. I get
0: lots of things like that. Well, the... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna hit on a couple of things, but I'm gonna I got two more things I'm gonna mention. Um, one's a question, just up top. You gotta have because, li- like living in Wyoming, you gotta have people come up to you on. You probably can't go anywhere without getting a novel idea, right? From people at the grocery store.
2: I yeah, I, I feel like I'm a uh, like a. Predator almost, you know, it's like that old saying, you know, if you're, if you walk around with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I feel like I see my wife's hay hook in the barn. I think, oh God, that's a great murder weapon. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's pretty
0: easy. And, and people come up and be like, you know what you ought to be writing about is blah, blah, blah. I get a
2: little bit too much of that actually. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I'll say, why don't you write that
0: book?
1: <laughs> Not, <you know. laughs> the idea is so good i'll i let you have yeah. the honor
0: uh when i mentioned uh when i mentioned when i the, the first uh novel i read of yours is dark sky oh good and and uh that was that one where you mentioned me and meteor and i was joking about the what it was is there's this kind of like Sort of a rather unlikable Silicon Valley CEO who has was a Steve 2.0 or what the hell's his name? Yeah, yeah, Steve 2.0. That's he's got one of them. Yeah, you know, he's got like a goofy tech name, kind of annoying. Well, he gets hopped up on watching meat eater and decides he wants to go <laughs> hunt elk. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very like Zuckerberg. It's like very Zuckerbergy. Like when Zuckerberg announced some year mm-hmm. that he was going to only eat stuff he killed. It was like real Zuckerberg-y. And I was sort of like the through the 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 inspiration. You know. It's better than being the inspiration for the villain. Yes, yeah, right. that's right. But, <laughs> uh okay. Now you gotta hang tight. You can talk about anything you want, but we gotta talk about a couple things. Okay. Then we're gonna come back to you hardcore.
6: And feel free to chime in whenever you
0: want. Okay. Uh one problem we have is we declared that we weren't going to talk about my old time saying. Oh, I'll bring you up to speed. No,
6: that's not true. We should talk about it all the time.
0: I, I wanted to invent an, an old saying. So I came up with, um, based off pick and pole beans, I came up with um, a fresh set of eyes always finds more beans. Meaning, if you put like a new person into a situation, they're going to find, right? Okay. Got it a reality that had was hidden from others. And we talked about it so much that we kept talking about it and people would send in different versions. And now um, we've even got listeners saying, stop talking about it. (laughs) A woman wrote in that just like when a child learns a new word and they use it all the time, her husband three times in one Sunday, because it's so annoying three times in one Sunday, found a way to say a fresh set of eyes will always find more beans. <laughs> she signs it living in bean hell. But I point this out only because we now have a t-shirt. <laughs> we have a t-shirt. A, 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 a fresh set eyes finds more beans mediator podcast t-shirt. Hunter Spencer did the artwork and he's got a fist. It's a fist <laughs> holding up beans. And it says fresh set of eyes finds more beans. Available now. I hope they didn't make too terrible many of those t shirts.
6: No, it's supposed to be a limited edition thing. Mm. Yeah. So get them while they're
5: hot.
4: I will yeah. say, you might
1: break into the vegan market there, Steve. Yeah. I, could. I know. Sydney, it's not like holding up jerky sticks. Sydney used it the other day well, unironically, un- but she did the version where you sort of trail off after eyes. Yeah, there's a name for that. Do you remember what the word is?
6: No, I don't remember. Maybe, Can you look that up? Maybe he, he, as a
0: writer, knows. he might be yeah. interested in this. Did it's, you know that there's. There's a there's a name for when you only say part of a saying and let it trail off.
2: Look that up. I don't know. I've never heard I've never heard of a name for that. And you know, I just put
0: dot dot dot. Yep. So if no. I say to you fresh set of eyes dot
1: dot dot, there's a name for that. And I don't even know if she was birds of a feather. I don't know if she was doing it consciously <laughs> cuz I it didn't register with me. It just sounded very natural when she said a fresh set of eyes and like 3 or 4 seconds it I, I realized that she was going with the bean saying, and I was sure I was She's taking, a podcast listener. I was taken aback.
6: I don't know if I'm pronouncing this properly.
1: You might have the right thing because I remember it being hard to pronounce.
6: Cynic. Syn- <laughs> Cynic. S- it's Synic- no cynectidy. No, that's S- not
3: synec-dody what that is. Is not. Is, I no. the same it's
1: not.
6: Okay.
0: Jeez,
1: Corinne. I- of all the poetic <laughs> devices you could have chosen. I'm gonna move on while you look for it. It
6: was gonna take me. No, like this is fascinating.
1: Show. Here's another T-shirt.
0: Oh. This is a future. So we covered off on this. This is a future T-shirt design where we were talking. Um, <laughs> we are talking about what we used to like to draw when we were little kids, and I drew two things. I drew amphibious tank battles. I like to draw those mm-hmm. when I was a little kid, and it was like am, like tanks that somehow floated assaulting a beach and I like to draw large Native American encampments with dozens and dozens of teepees stretching into the horizon and Clay was saying how he uh,
3: no disrespect couldn't move
0: no matter what he did he couldn't move away from hogs And he kept his drawings going even into high school. And so he was talking about, I could, and he said, I think it's at my mom's house. As he's explaining what he used to, a common theme he would explore in his drawings as a young man. And then promptly his mom uh, sent a photo of the picture. And I asked Clay if I could have it. And he mm-hmm. sent it to us for the studio. So it's a future man.
4: I want I want Clay to explain how that gun, the, the construction of that gun works, like where the sling is hooked. What, I got questions about that. Gun. It looks
1: like uh, when you know, like if they're making sci-fi movie props, and they take a squirt gun and they just, yep. Yep. you know, attach some other things to mm-hmm. it.
0: It's a future man, uh, being charged by a wild hog, <laughs> but he's got the drop on it, and he has a claw hand as well. <laughs> Well, he's like an otherworldly, kind of, he's, a, a other he's not of this planet. I can tell by the musculature. He's ripped.
1: Yeah. He's enhanced. And he,
0: he's ripped and strapped, and he's being chased by a razor. He's bat. in
4: trouble if he doesn't pull that trigger pretty quick, though.
1: <laughs> I don't, is there a trigger on it? I <laughs> might and, just fire when he thinks so. Uh,
0: <laughs> I want this to be, remember that t-shirt we did of the Ice Age hunter doing the grip and grin with the saber tooth mm-hmm. tiger? Mm-hmm. Sabertooth cat? What do you call those things? Scimitar cat? Saber tooth cat? Yeah, Saber mm-hmm. cat. Where it's like a shirt, but it's just a rectangular box. Like, yeah, right, yay, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of across your sternum, and that 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 wonderful picture will just be in that box. It's gonna be a good shirt.
1: I can't wait. I don't think they should make too many of them either. <laughs> could, we, could we also just do prints of these? I mean, like that you could hang on your wall. I don't know. That was from nineteen ninety seven. Oh, we should <laughs>
6: have like a calendar of Clay's old art. <laughs>
1: I don't know how many pieces he's got. I know about
6: two
0: he's and gonna. one. He's got two and one can't go on the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> As I explained earlier about what is. Oh, the other thing I wanted to touch on, oh, but I can't like uh, something that happened this weekend. But I, maybe I sh- there's like some little more. Are you giving me a look like there's a no. there's a moratorium on talking about no, this? No,
6: I think I just don't know.
0: Mm, yeah, I'll give him the most cursory short details. Version. Me and Yanni and my three kids and his two kids.
6: Oh, about the dog? Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. Went out cat hunting, and his uh, dog went off a cliff.
6: He's still alive, but.
0: And when we found it, I didn't think it was going to live.
4: Kids are all crying, blood all over. I still don't understand why I got that. In reach message because we were
0: on we were on a steep canyon and it was snowing and this track was brand new and the dog went down into the bottom of the canyon I think it jumped the cat and the cat went up the other side into a cliff band so
4: and then all of a sudden it's burr, 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 right and all of a sudden dead quiet. I guess what I'm saying is, why did you not have Giannis's contact info?
0: (laughs) I have his contact info. Hear me out. Okay. Dead quiet. And then he gets a treed symbol at the bottom of a cliff. Yeah. And a odd line of travel. So the dog zigzag and zigzag and zigzag, and then it seems like he went a really long ways in a very straight line to a treed symbol. We tell all the kids to hang tight by the snowmobile. This
3: is on Giannis's uh,
0: on his looker,
3: GPS his device, GPS so you can see see on a screen the line of travel of the dog.
0: Tell all the kids stay put, and we go down to the bottom of the canyon, climb up the other side, and find it at the foot of the cliff, and make a plan that he puts it in his backpack. And he's going to go a mile and I'm going to go back up and get the kids and circle around and pick them up on a snowmobile trail. When he doesn't show up, I had his phone number, but I didn't have his, in- I was on my in reach and didn't have his in reach number. Gotcha. Trying to find out what was going down. Mm-hmm.
4: All worked out. Mm-hmm. I get-
0: hey, Phil bleep him saying that. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to tell Yanni's story for him. Blood all over.
3: Is how you want it to end. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) To be continued.
3: Kids are scared. Blood all over. It's snowing. Crying. Didn't know where Yanni was. Yeah, he didn't show up at the show in that yep. place. Phone rings in Joe Pickett's office. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. Oh, that might be a good setup, right it there. It would be. Man. I like that. Hey, you know, have you? You know, you ought to work into one of your books. Is all these people getting stuck in vault toilets, trying to get their phones and stuff out of there?
1: I like that idea. I like that a lot. I, I have never thought about that.
0: Well, little comic a good relief one.
1: part. Yeah. It could just be sort of like the intro. Like he had just finished getting the woman out of the vault toilet when he heard a crackle on the radio. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've got some
2: out- <laughs> outhouse hijinks in this current book. Uh, two two women trapped inside of a of an outhouse in a, not and not in a, the vault. An angry rancher
0: pounding on the door. Oh, <laughs> but they're not stuck in the vault. No, no, not yet. No. Nope. I feel like your guy, I feel like Pickett needing to help someone who dropped a Apple Watch into a vault toilet <laughs> and crawled in there to get it at a fish and access site. One, it's just that there's a, it's a epidemic. Right.
1: <laughs> it helped raise awareness about this. Yes. A couple other quick I things. like that one. I usually don't. But I like that. <laughs> well, as long as you don't tell me that I should just
0: write my own book about that. You know how the author, I took a class in graduate school with the author. You ever hear of an author, Chris Offit? No. He wrote Kentucky Straight. He's like a Kentucky writer. Uh, he wrote. He, he was a novelist, but then wrote a book about his family. He wrote a memoir mm. called, I don't know what it was called. Wrote a memoir. And his family was livid. Oh, yeah. As, as they are. His response was, you should write your own version mm-hmm. of what happened. <laughs>
5: yes.
2: <laughs> like go, I'm not stopping you. Tell the world. That's the problem with the memoir. You can only do one. Mm-hmm. Um, although some people keep doing them. But no, I always get good.
0: worried when a writer, I always get worried for a writer who starts out with their life story
5: because mm-hmm.
0: that's tough to follow up. It is.
2: And I, I've, I've known quite a few authors who just came out with that memoir and then struggled and struggled and
5: mm-hmm.
0: tried to
2: come up with something for book two. I
0: always get worried about writers get too big, like especially in that situation where you do your memoir and you get a big advance, like a big, big advance. Cause they're real excited about your life story and then it doesn't earn out. And then, and then you're like, you know, then the thing is like, well, maybe I'll do a book about, you know, business mm-hmm. or something. You know I mean? It's just, it's just a bad path. Mm-hmm. man. Uh, those Beams shirts are on sale now, correct?
5: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: <Yep>. <laughs> My buddy and I, this is, this is a listener email. My buddy and I are air traffic controllers. I can picture Joe Pickett up in the air traffic tower.
2: He hates planes.
0: <laughs> My buddy and I are air traffic controllers. In our particular tower, we prefer to have all the transmissions over the loudspeaker as opposed to wearing a headset with earpieces. I can picture that. Mm -hmm. The problem, as he goes on to say, is that sometimes the other shift cranks the speaker up to 11. So every now and then, the first call of our shift comes blasting over the speaker so loudly that I'll hear just loud static and miss a call sign, pilot request, or other pertinent information. It's getting thick. Mm Mm-hmm. When this happens, I need someone in the back to tell me what the pilot said while I turn the speaker down. He goes on to say, So, my proximity to the speaker hindered my ability to hear the full message or... Oh, he's trying to float his own old time yeah. saying. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, I didn't know I didn't pre-read this. A
5: lot of people have done that. Corinne vetted it. A lot of
0: people it, have done that. But I didn't pre-read. You just you just took the bait. No, I just took like I'd have so much trust in Corinne.
3: <laughs> now Steve's got a crisis on his hands <laughs> I right pre-read. Well, he, all so all so of, now.
0: I didn't pre-read So he all this setup and here I am stuck. And, and you makes, don't even know if he like the thing to or not. He's trying to float his own damn it's saying, this saying I, it's being
1: bold, better than. People, no, I, if it makes
3: you I feel like better a it's nons, There's, nons, there's a it's
0: really I good. knew exactly where
1: this was going,
0: but it's a great saying, dude. You're gonna dismiss it, and then you're gonna think about it. Uh, mm-hmm. I
4: don't. I, I don't think so.
0: Yes, I'll tell you where. It, I'll tell you what the applications
4: are. Great. I could even and tie it into it. the beans.
0: Being too near could make things unclear. <laughs> now, fresh set of eyes always <laughs> find more beans. Has accounting. Right? Has relevance in accounting.
4: Uh, There's also just great imagery that goes along
0: with it. Has that, relevance yeah. in law enforcement. <laughs> Being too near could make things unclear. I think it has relevance in, in parenting when it comes to diagnosing yeah. health issues. I thought it was going to be more literal. Like, <laughs> like, oh no, my kid's just like that. I was too He'll near. Just... <laughs> <laughs> He'll just fall asleep out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. He's always been like that. Right? Mm-hmm. Or, no, no, he's just like that. I don't know what that's all about. Always been like that. And some might be like, I think that kid's got a major problem. But the parent's too near, which makes it unclear.
6: That's like kind of a riff of, like, missing the forest for the trees.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh. Well, what about... No. I, uh-uh. Yes, it is. I thought it was a more literal too... saying, too near to hear. And then it could be... Oh, that's uh, a saying? No, no. I mean, oh. I thought that's where he's going with it. So then, you know, at Outboard Motor, there's all sorts of very narrowly constructed situations in which that would make sense. What about
3: just because it's loud doesn't mean it's legible?
1: Mm. Mm. Mmm. Yeah,
0: I like that too. But I also see this being applicable (laughs) in relationships.
3: Remember John Wayne? He said, big mouth don't make a big man. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't he have a big mouth? Like,
0: being (laughs) too near to make things unclear. You got a body. Yeah. And clearly, your body's husband is a lunatic. Mm Mm-hmm. The only person that doesn't realize it is your buddy. Yeah. Being too near makes things unclear. (laughs) Hey, man. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if you've learned anything, it's that there is always a catch.
3: upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 per month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.
0: Man, I'm just coming back uh, not too long ago from youth turkey season in Wisconsin. Now, last year at youth turkey season, it rained and snowed the whole time. This year at youth turkey season... liquidiv.com and you use code meat eater at checkout that's 20% off your first order when you shop better hydration today using promo code meat eater at liquidiv.com get incredible deals on premium cuts from butcher box do you like free protein for a whole year well deals this good are hard to come by at the grocery store I at home well I got two freezers but you know what I'm saying I like to have a freezer stocked full of stuff I like feeling prepared man when I come home and it's time to make dinner, I like to go in I got all my proteins lined up in there. just makes me feel good about stuff. And with ButcherBox, you'll always be prepared with meat in the freezer. It means fewer trips to the grocery store. Delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping always. You get a variety. A high-quality cuts at an amazing value. You'll get exclusive deals as a member, too. Sign up at ButcherBox.com slash eater and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free and every order for a year. So every box you get has that in it free for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash meateater. Make sure you use code meateater to choose your free-for-a-year offer plus $20 off your first order. What episode number are we on?
6: Five
0: twenty 20-something. 20-something. Okay, so apologies that we're going back to episode 417.
6: But speaking of air traffic controllers.
0: Speaking of air traffic controllers, we had a person on the podcast, CJ, uh, who was a biologist with APHIS, Animal Plant Inspection Services. Okay. They do a lot of predator control, but a lot of other things that people don't know about. Like, for instance, uh, keeping stuff off airport runways. So wildlife control inside airport circles, mm-hmm. geese, deer, whatever. Deterrent, not just lethal, but also just deterrent, habitat modifications. And this uh, woman introduced us to a very interesting term, which is when you're trying to find out when you have an air collision with a bird, there's, there's just a biological substance. Sometimes you, just, you don't know what you're looking at. Something came into the jet. Mm-hmm spit out the other side or there's this big smear on the windshield and you got a part of the job is like, well, what happened? What was that? And she introduced the term. and I thought she was joking, but this is the actual term is snarge. Snarge. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
5: It's just biological biological
0: detritus. Goo. (laughs) And then you try to find out what the snarge was from. Uh, Anyways, a dead goose just took down a. So a medical helicopter, there was fatalities. Yeah. How many? Three.
4: Oh, do we know that it, three or three or four? Three or four. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, a medical helicopter crashed in Oklahoma with multiple fatalities, and a they recovered a dead goose out of that helicopter. I think that was what she was saying was the number one bird, right?
6: Yeah, I, I think so.
0: Yeah. I think
6: it is goose. Yeah. And and I know that there have been like a number of, there were landings. Oh, is that the Hudson? Yeah, the yeah that, that's yeah. So Sully, famous one. A yeah. pilot, a flight yeah. nurse,
0: and Charles a paramedic Sully all bird. killed in a bird strike. Huh.
6: Yeah, so it's hmm. serious shit.
0: Someone wrote in about this. I feel like we should, I want to do this, but I left my drink coasters on my desk.
6: Oh, like you would read out what's on your drink coasters?
0: Well, yeah, because my drink coasters oh, are have boobies. Are they crucial to this? I'll go <laughs> yeah, get they them. Do you want are me to go they? grab them? No.
6: You can add those to the list, or you're just saying you don't remember what all of them are.
0: It's about bird names. Cal's favorite subject. <laughs> <laughs> when we just how t- graphic some bird names are. <laughs> Well, I'll bring them next time we record. I'd like
3: the record to show I have nothing wrong with bird names. No, I know. You, that's so. the
0: problem. Is, like, you don't have any problem with bird names.
3: Yeah. Old names, <laughs> new names. I like them. Uh, great.
0: <laughs> but it, the, the, it's that the, you, you have expressed that uh, you've expressed feeling that there's been a lot of time wasted on a thing that is not an issue.
3: Right. Yeah. And it's hard for me to draw the parallel between the change of a bird name and the destruction of the United States Constitution and the downfall of <laughs> democracy as we know it. I might have come in a little hot. We'll pick it up,
0: we'll pick it up when I have my drink coasters. Oh, but you... My <laughs> Just, drink coasters are...
6: It's so short. P- picture Just, it. Let's read the guy's note.
0: Okay. In support of Steve... Topic, renaming birds. In support of Steve, here's an idea. If we must rename birds to fit some social justice narrative, let's double down on the borderline not-safe-for-workplace bird names that already exist. And he points out the great tit. Yeah. The blue footed booty booby. The woodcock. <laughs> the dick sizzle. That's a great and then cut. add your
6: coaster name, Steve.
0: I have drink coasters that my neighbor Pottery Pat gave me for my birthday. I think it was my birthday. My birthday. And it's a coaster and, and in big letters up top it says boobies. <laughs> but then you look and it's all the boobies. Mm. Blue footed booby. And a big coaster says tits. But it's all the tits. Cocks. <laughs> but it's all the cocks. Right?
1: Love How it. many are there?
0: I wouldn't send my kid to school with these drink coasters. <laughs> <laughs> I would go over if your kid.
3: Oh, that's the exact any drink type coaster, of thing. If, I would your kid just sit,
0: yeah. if your kid did sit down at their desk <laughs> and place a coaster down. And instead, they're drink oh, on that I mean, drink coaster. It, it could
6: be an edifying moment for the teacher.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he'd say something like, what type of cocks do you enjoy the most? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the exact type of thing oh, I have yeah. been doing in school. Uh, sh-
4: let's do one more, Corinne.
6: You want to do the... Um, why don't we, you want to do the...
4: Punk's Tawny Phil. Yeah,
6: let's do that. That's probably better than the other ones. Unless we do the acorn
0: mm. info. No, we already talked about Clay. <laughs> <laughs> Peter wants to... First, I got to do my little bit that I always do. With, I'll, I'll start. Peter wants to replace Punxsutawney Phil with a coin. Meaning the gopher, the groundhog that they pull out every year and he sees a shadow and uh, tell you the weather. His track record's horrible.
4: But
3: he's. that's that's not not there. I bet that's not their point. Well, no, (laughs) their
0: point. But their point is, why not just flip a coin? Because he's going to do just as good of a job as Punk's Tawny Phil. And then you don't have to abuse that poor groundhog.
4: That's their route to where they're getting.
0: But they, yeah, they specialize at PETA. They specialize in getting, it's not unintentional, I don't think. No, no. They do like a, well, what will they think of next? And it gets people like me, I get tricked Mm -hmm. into covering it. Mm-hmm. Right, because they do do like. Remember, they wanted to, for a while old sayings that seem mean to animals. Get rid of old like more than one way to skin a cat. Oh yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, that's mean to it's, beat a dead horse. Yeah, to beat a dead horse is mean. And then everybody in the news and uh, at Fox News, they're like, oh my god, and I'm like, oh my god, and it works. And, and we're all talking panic. about PETA. Yeah, yeah, we're all talking about PETA. So the latest move is for them to point out that. It's mean that it's mean to punks a Tawny Phil.
4: He's not a meteorologist. To drag
0: him out, to drag him out and show
2: him off to the whole world. <laughs> Exploited for tourism. It's probably mean well, to drop him like they do. Oh, they drop him? Yeah. Well, I Bill Bill de Blasio, Blasio dropped one, drop yeah, on accident. died
3: later. <laughs> oh, oh, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> That's great. It doesn't oh, change my mind about the event. There's no shortage of groundhogs, but. <laughs> Yeah, like... like, uh, How dare PETA say that he's not a meteorologist? How do they know what's going on? How do, how do they stretch so far?
0: Well, they say the groundhogs are shy, solitary animals. Should be dragged mm. out and shown off to the whole world. It looks well the
3: top. Every hat. single one that they hold up <laughs> yeah. is a chunk monster. I, I saw a
1: joke over the weekend that I haven't been able to stop thinking about, and it's simply that we haven't applied this concept to enough things just grabbing an animal pull, <laughs> pulling it out of its hole and asking it unknowable questions about the future <laughs> i haven't been able to stop thinking about that like this is a very peculiar yeah. thing that we're invested they just stop in.
3: short at the right. groundhog <laughs> yeah. they, they need to keep going That's That's great great idea, idea, the,
1: the line was like owls owls have been claiming they're pretty smart let's see them prove it now <laughs>
0: A couple of years ago, Peta argued that they should wrap it up with Tawny Phil and swap it out for a quote animatronic version." <laughs> oh, I get it—a robot <laughs> equipped with artificial intelligence, capable of more accurately predicting the weather. What the strategy is with 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 Peta? And I and I I, I uh, I'm a I get a kick out of Peta. Uh, this stuff I like. What they're doing is they're, you're demonstrating, um, it's like a rhetorical strategy. You demonstrate absurdity by being absurd. Mm -hmm. So you'd be like, here's an absurd solution. And then it hopefully makes people go like, yeah, it is really weird. It is absurd. Not, it's not absurd that you propose we stop doing it. It's absurd that we started doing it in the first place. Drag this groundhog out,
4: <laughs> that's what makes it great, though. <laughs> yeah,
0: drag this groundhog out, show him off to the planet, and what will the weather be? Yeah, there's probably a good history of how many of those little buggers they've been through over the years.
3: God, there's yep. that place in North or South Carolina, I think, that does the possum drop every New Year's. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like a country store but they put a possum in a cage they bring it up to the top and then they like slowly lower it like the ball dropping but it's a there's a live possum in there <laughs> no harm comes to the possum um but that finally fizzled out it you know it got some like uh
0: some bad press
3: but then you know that totally went away because people lose interest in that stuff but i think people just kind of eventually started being like hard to explain this to people from out of state but who who, show but up to this really who's year. looking yeah. out
1: for possums these days you know <laughs> I'm wondering who who turned up the heat on that people do because I caught a possum uh
0: not too long ago I caught a possum I was the Kevin Murphy and I'm holding the possum by the tail and and you know they go into that shock mm-hmm. right playing possum Kevin's got all these dogs running around and first off what people didn't know I saved the possum's life because his pack of beagle dogs were set on killing the possum. Okay, I pick the possum by up by the tail and he goes into playing possum. I then want to deposit the possum in a safe place. So there's all this grapevine. Like an impenetrable mat of grapevine. Mm-hmm. And I lay the possum who's playing possum up on the mat of grapevine. Probably five feet off the ground where the beagle dogs can't get at it. Meanwhile, we had a picture of me holding the possum by his tail. Like I do a grip Mm -hmm. and grin with the possum, who I'll point out is capable of hanging from a limb from his tail. And I mentioned how I set him up out of the way. Or maybe I we made a video where I set him up out of the way. Either way, people point out now he's gonna come out. You've basically killed this poor possum (laughs) because he's gonna fall from that perch Mm. and die. And I saved the possum. And that possum's not going to fall off that mad a grapevine because he couldn't fall off if he wanted to. Hmm. He's going to have to walk out of there. So people do look out for possums. Well, however, I misaligned,
1: stand, I stand however misaligned, I stand correct. However
0: misaligned with reality they are, they look out for
3: possums. I caught a possum in L.A. once, Corinne. Mm. And I was like, "Oh, check this out." That's pretty cool. Yeah, people didn't think it was cool. There's something (laughs) about you that
0: when you can see a possum makes you want to grab it by the tail.
3: Yeah, it's a nasty tail. Big handle. All
0: right, you ready, (laughs) CJ Box?
3: I'm ready. Yep. Uh, You grew up around hunting and fishing
0: a little bit? I did. Yep. Layout, 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 what, what did it look like in the in the box household? Spo- what, what did sporting events look like for the box household? Uh,
2: sporting events, yeah. you
0: know, like hunting. Like hunt, I'm sorry, hunting and fishing type sport.
2: Oh, yeah. I, I had a. Uh, did you play sports like organized? I, I did. Oh, you did. I did. Oh. I was a wrestler and a cross country rider. But uh, yeah, it was an. It was a. Every year we would go deer hunting around Midwest Wyoming. Okay. Um, at that point, there weren't that many mule deer there are, you know, like there have been now, but I, I grew up, I, I was thinking about this yesterday. I was driving up here that I got my first mule deer at age 12 got with it. my grandfather's twenty-five, thirty-five saddle carbine that he actually used on, on a ranch. Had to shoot it five times, you know, and, and, but, and hunted every year. Did you grow up on a ranch? No, no, I, I grew up in Casper, but uh where we would go would be north of Casper.
0: And it wasn't like the good old days for mule deer hunting then.
2: It wasn't that area wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. Um but then it got then there were more and more and uh, then I you know started antelope hunting and I had in, even in high school. This is this is you know I'm old. Um Oh, I, 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 you're I'm not six, that old. 65. Oh, you look yeah. good. Thanks. <laughs> 65. <laughs> All my buddies and I used to have a that we call it the one shot prairie dog hunt club. So we would actually keep our guns in our lockers in high school, mm-hmm. and as soon as it wrestling practice was out, we'd grab them and go out and shoot prairie dogs with and one shot. It, well, no, usually with more <laughs> shots. That's <just> the name, <laughs> <laughs> and then cut off their tails, you mm-hmm. know. And um, so I grew up around a lot of guns, around a lot of hunting. I got. Um, you know, I, I haven't hunted all my I I may not even hunt that much now if it weren't for the fact that I've got three daughters who give me such a hard time until they get elk meat. Got it. They love to serve it. They love to eat it. They How love to you bring daughters. friends over. I've got twins who are 34. What? My youngest is uh, 30 or almost. And, uh, oh, and, so and what I love to like do- You're like all
0: wrapped up on the parenting. Plan.
2: Yeah. And- uh, I also love to go to the, my sons in law and say with with the meat and say because you know your husband will not provide for
0: you. Yeah. I have brought you another still cooler this yeah. Christmas. I still have to do it. I yeah. still have to care for my daughter. Yeah, they love yeah. that. They're not being adequately supported. Mm-hmm. What was the what was the first inkling you ever had about writing? Like when did you become aware? that when did you become aware that there was a thing called a writer and you know you could be one? Ah,
2: geez. You know, I think if you're a writer, I've, I've also, uh, you know asked that a lot. I think you're you're hardwired with it. Really? really? You're not. Um, I've worked with people who want to write, but they don't seem hardwired, and it's just never going to work. Um, I I was going to write one way or another, whether it was
0: start, but at j- what journalism age? Young? or
2: Oh yeah. I mean, I I was writing stories, you know, in second, third grade. I never thought about myself as a, writing a series of books but I do remember going to our local library and going down the stacks to the bees to see where my book would be someday. You hmm. know, I knew that I didn't know what it would be about, but I knew that that's, that's someday like the card that. catalog days. Yeah. Now, you know, that now I know if it's there, that means nobody's checked it out. So, yeah. <laughs> did, did it's your, actually bad did, news. It's inventory.
6: <laughs> did your parents emphasize a lot of reading to you or did, was that something you found on your own?
2: My dad did. He used to read to us. He was a teacher. Mm, okay. My mom did not. My mom always said even when I had books out, the only thing she read was cookbooks.
5: Hmm.
2: what did your dad teach? He taught um, third grade. Then he was a principal for a while. and Then he taught fifth grade for a while. So elementary school teacher.
0: Got it so good honest uh good honest middle class wyoming upbringing absolutely yep when uh you settled so you d- did college to learn journalism right right i went i had a scholarship actually
2: to go to uh University of Denver in journalism because mm-hmm. i I was the editor of a high school newspaper that won a bunch of national awards, so it I could go to a private school cheaper
0: than I could go to the University of Wyoming
5: hmm.
0: and then studied. And majored in that. and Came out of that. Yep, they called it mass
2: communications, but it was journalism. That, yeah. And then um, my first job was on a weekly newspaper in Wyoming, and um, did that for a few years. Then realized I could make no money being a journalist for a weekly newspaper, so uh, I had a, a syndicated column for a while that was uh, mainly about outdoor stuff. And then um, give me give me a, give me
0: an idea of what you'd write about.
2: I would write in your column, uh, ice fishing, snowmobiling, like the bites hot down yeah. at the
0: local reservoir.
2: Right. It was okay. like that. Um, I called it far afield. Got it. And, um, it, you know, I used to, you, would you know, I
0: used to do local profiles and
2: yeah, I would, you know, you know the guy, the local guy who tied flies and, um, that kind of stuff.
0: I, I learned God, early on like that's I, stay, stay that's away from like gone away, man. Yeah. We had, I can't remember. I wish I could remember his name, Mark, something like growing up, we had the Muskegon Chronicle where I grew up in in Western Michigan, and there was just like the dude—I can't remember his name—but he was like the outdoor columnist.
4: Yeah, those outdoor columnists are like yeah, extinct.
0: And it'd be you know—one week it'd be slaying the white bellies. Mm-hmm. You know, like the white bellies are in in the channel mouth. There's still so and then there's then the still somewhere This old guy's been selling think,
4: worms. <laughs> yeah, I think the Billings paper still has an outdoor column. Pretty sure. Oh. God, but people dying, still remember reading it, life, man. which is
2: cool. But uh, and I got to do lots of things, mm-hmm. you know. With that, um, I got so, to go well, whitewater lo- rafting with the Denver Broncos, you know, that, that oh. kind of thing. That <laughs> so they
0: give cool. you a salary,
2: Nah, not much. And they aware, give you yep. a
0: thing; they like, they give you a salary, and then they say you figure it out. And once a week, you write an outdoor column,
2: right? And but I also covered everything else. You know, the 4H champion cow. Or the, you know, I remember going, I, I get to meet everybody, billionaires to survivalists, you know, and did little columns on all of them. And, uh, that was fun. I got to, I think the best training for the kind of writing I do now is working at a weekly newspaper where you, you're forced to meet everybody. You can't, you've got to get out of a bubble.
3: Got it. You get to develop a lot of characters. Right. Along the way, right. right. Yeah. And then be comfortable talking
2: to people in all walks of life and. Um, what I've always found is if you show interest in what somebody's doing, all of a sudden they'll, you cannot get them to stop talking. You know, you show up with a blank notebook and they feel compelled to fill it. Got it. After a while, even, you know, people in nuclear facilities and things that I'm doing research, I show up and they first, they're very reticent and I start asking them about their job and no one has ever asked them about their job before Mm -hmm. in their lives. And once they start telling you, then they can't stop. And, and sometimes they've told me, how do I take down a supercomputer center? They tell me step by step. And I say, <laughs> that's enough. That's enough. I'm not going to do this. Write this all out in this book.
0: <laughs> when when you're, that, uh, when you're doing that line of work, would you try to go in, uh, do you try to go in dumb? Or do you try to go in and sort of establish your, your bona fides? I, I try to do, I, I do s- s- much, some homework. So Uh that I'm not completely
2: off base. But, and I, you know, I usually have a list, but I, I try to like without, we talked earlier about issues in the books. I always try to talk to people on both sides of the issues, um, and then have a character in the books, espouse those so that, um, so that at least it's a fair portrayal. Yeah, It's not always a fair
0: portrayal, but I try
2: to make it a fair portrayal.
0: I meant that question more as an interview strategy. Meaning, let's say you develop, let's say you're working on something in in your old job and you develop something close to subject matter expertise Mm -hmm. and you go to interview somebody. Do you keep it under wraps that you know the situation pretty well and present it to them as though they're talking to a knucklehead? Or do you like to go in and say, I'm widely read on this? What's your take? I you no. I would go in and say
2: I've I've done a lot of research on this. Okay. Is this true? Got it. Um, got I it. did a book called The Highway a few years ago. It's very creepy. It's about a, a serial killer truck driver, um, and I, I got together with a pair of drivers from Montana and we went across the country. And I had a long list of questions I had for them. You know, why 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 do, on trucker forums do they laugh about Walmart bags on the side of the road? You know, and the truckers go, because that's what, that's what they crap in and throw out the window. So I had lots <laughs> oh, of questions great. about, yeah. I just need to know, are these things true? And then, then that opens things up. Got it. Yeah.
0: Hmm.
4: Now, oh, sorry. Someone just go to say something? No, oh. but that was a, something I didn't really need to learn. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, so tell what they, you can tell what they like to urinate
3: in. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Yeah, next time you would volunteer for your highway cleanup crew, <laughs> yeah, yeah you stay know, away from the Walmart bags. You're gonna want to huh. be properly prepared.
0: <laughs> what was your next? What was your next jump out of do, out of doing the journalism?
2: Um, I I started a company. Um, I, I worked for a while for uh, uh, first of all, I worked for Wyoming Tourism the state agency. I was a state employee. And I traveled all over the world. I was in charge of international tourism development. What? Really? Yeah. And and saw that it didn't make sense for a state employee to go out there all over the world and say, come visit us. I'm a state employee. <laughs> uh, so I started a company and included in that company when we would do overseas things, lots of private sector entities, hotels, Yellowstone Park, um, for five different states in the Rocky Mountains. And then we had six offices overseas. So for 20 years, that's what I did. As really? A, uh, What'd you do with that? You sold it? I sold it to employees, yeah. Once the books started making more money than the company did, then I could step away from the day-to-day uh, so I, traveling.
4: I assume you were, you must have been writing books at the same time. I
2: was. I was writing on airplanes. And I remember writing a, in a Berlin hotel, finishing up a book, you know. Um, that's – so – so I have no patience with anybody who says I'd write a book if I had the time. Oh. You know, I had a company, I had three kids, I, you know, I was trying to write a book a year. Dude, that that just always- have to
0: do it. I love hearing those stories because that was not my re- reality, man. I had like a way different way into it and never had to do that. Well, I didn't have to. I just chose- I didn't have a family or anything when I was starting out as a writer. So I just chose to live like way below the pop, like way, way below the poverty level in other people's houses mm-hmm. and didn't have a house. To, so I didn't have to compete with my own occupation because I didn't have a family. Have you ever heard of the not he's dead? You ever, you know, the novels, Larry Brown. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Larry Brown. He wrote his first bunch of books at the fire barn. He was a fireman. <laughs> And when everyone else is like playing video games and cooking, grilling chicken and throwing horseshoes, Larry Brown would be in his bunk writing novels. That's that Mm. hardwired He never learned to type QWERTY. Mm -hmm. He said he, one time I was talking to him, he held up his two index fingers. He said, I wrote seven novels with these two (laughs) fingers. (laughs) And like to bring up Yellowstone. So here he's born in, he's he's a fireman in Oxford, Mississippi. Mm Mm-hmm. Had never been anywhere. His first novel he wrote about a man-eating bear in Yellowstone National Park. <laughs> Had never seen a bear and never been to uh. Yellowstone National Park. <laughs> wrote that book and he's like, that method is not going to work. <laughs> so he started writing about the kind of stuff he runs into as a fireman. Huh. Right. Yeah. That's the kind of people he liked. To, he liked to do that. He lived in the town. When he could, he'd go drinking. When he could, he'd go fishing catfish. And so he's like, I guess I'm going to write about people that like to do that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a writer and as a
2: reader, I, I much prefer novels with a great sense of place, like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. When you can tell, you can always tell when somebody's making up a location. Um, m- maybe they've been there on vacation. Maybe they've, you know, been through it. But you can always tell. If, I, I always thought when I was writing, I, I want to write from the inside out as opposed to um, showing, you know, I'm never going to write an urban novel. Mm-hmm. It's just, I couldn't do it <clears> authentically, <throat> but I can write about the Mountain West because I can do it from the inside out, and people who live here or have been there can say, yeah, that rings true. And I think that's, for me, that's extremely
0: important. I can't remember who the comedian was that I was recently watching. Was it Dan Dute maybe did a bit about this? The guy no, that's you know, he's been on the podcast? No, mm-hmm.
6: Yeah, it was somebody who moved to Denver, I think, but we we didn't.
0: He's never on the show? No. There's a comedian, and he was talking about uh, when TV productions have to deal with like what a working class person does. And so they're describing how, like a, there's a person investigating this like horrific murder, okay? And they go into a bar in the morning to interview someone about this horrific murder. <laughs> And they have them the whole time. They're answering questions about this horrific murder. They're continuing to stack beer boxes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like they're no way going to pause stacking these beer boxes to answer questions about this like
4: horrific triple <laughs> homicide that they were <laughs> that yeah, they're, they're
0: rolled up and do they're like, I'm picturing he's there in the morning stacking beer boxes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like scenes with tradesmen. You know, like no one on that production has ever seen a tradesman do but anything. We, you know, trying to think of yeah, what. Like, I guess he might have a file. Wasn't that guy's name like Trey? he's filing a piece of wood. Trey. Oh, Trey oh that's who oh, it was. He was one, on the podcast. This one was yeah. Trace, the liberal. Oh, the liberal redneck. It's a comedian oh, yeah, called the liberal redneck. Oh, okay. I thought
6: it was somebody. else. No, it was the yeah. liberal
0: redneck. Talking about Things when they film. try. Yeah. TV yeah. trying Things to film. like portray how TV portrays rednecks. And that's right. He's like, he's the guy that wouldn't stop stacking <laughs> right. beer boxes while discussing a triple homicide.
2: <laughs> I like that. And that's true.
0: Yeah. This show is brought to you in part by better help. Now we all carry around different stressors, big ones, little ones. When you keep these things bottled up, It can start to affect you in a very negative way. Well, therapy is a great space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Like, figure it out. That means figure it out with someone who's impartial, who's able to sit down and hear what you have to say and think it through with you. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Listen, there's no there's no such thing. It's like you're not so tough. You're not so tough that it doesn't do you some good to talk to somebody now and then about what's on your mind. Okay, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/meatEater today to get 10 percent off your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P.com/meatEater. to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative, bold flavor, full pouches. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. With the, with the PR, was it PR? Is that how you describe the PR business? Or... Um, it, was, it was more uh,
2: marketing, really. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we work with tour operators, travel agents, and then um, lots of journalists. I brought lots of journalists over here to the Rocky Mountain West and would take them on, really? we called them familiarization tours, fam tours. So I got to. Junkets. Do, yeah, all kinds yeah. of. Every, every adventure there was, I was their escort. Wow. So I got to do stuff. Um, kind of reminded me of what you, I think you do what you do like best. And I was able to do that for years and years and years and was that a get a lot of business? experiences. Yeah, it was. Still in, uh, uh, when I left, it was 24 years old.
5: And but
2: then, that didn't scratch the itch. Yeah. I was done traveling. I, I'd been to Berlin in March way too many times. <laughs> I was ready to settle in. And now I get to go on book tours and kind of do this. But I, I'm the
1: guy who's but you, were making, you were making.
0: you were making good money. Decent. Yeah. Yeah. And not, you
1: still had to be like, I got to be a writer. Yep. When you were, when you were a journalist, did you, were you writing in your free time? I mean, were you still coming up with book ideas in your free time or sort of when did that transition take place into really working on books? You know, I'll I'll say uh, I had like a 25 year overnight success story.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, I started working on um, (laughs) the book that became open season when I was actually a, a working journalist on the, on the newspaper. And but it took the, all those years yeah. to finally get it, and and plus doing other things and um, having a family. My daughters, twin daughters, fourteen years old, didn't know that I wrote. They knew I had a home office. They knew I went in there and did stuff. But I never wanted them to think my dad, the failed novelist. So not until I had a <laughs> oh. not until I had a book contract did Holy. I tell them that I wrote a novel.
3: That's amazing! Wow. I can
0: picture him later being like, what was your dad like? Oh, he's like a failed writer. Yeah. (laughs) uh, He tried. Nice enough guy. Yeah.
3: The travel thing in uh, rural Wyoming, you know, it's like, I knew Wyoming kids in college that uh, like went on their first plane ride in Mm -hmm. college and Mm they're like, oh, hey, you know what I did? Yep. This is actually kind of a funny story. A buddy of mine road tripped home with a friend of his. To Wyoming. I'm not going to say what town because people who know this story would- I'm probably
2: related to him. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, yeah.
3: A... And, uh, cause our buddy who was driving, uh, had to, uh, make a court appearance and do a little bit of jail time on something <laughs> that had, uh, come up earlier on.
1: As one does. Mm-hmm. And
3: when he got there, uh, you know, it's like you're a college kid. You're not all that serious about stuff. He missed his court appointed deadline and thought like, well, I'm here. And they were like, yeah, and you're going to be here for the next month now mm. in jail. And uh, so that was my other friend's uh, first time on a plane was uh, his family chipped in and, and flew him back to the University of Montana. <laughs> so they he didn't, didn't have, have to wait, wait on his buddy's yeah. term. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: nope. Absolutely. What, uh, have you, ha, I think of you as kind of apolitical. have you, are you, are you political? Do you feel in your writing?
2: Um, I have opinions, but I usually try to, like I said, try to show both sides a little yeah, bit. Yeah. By the choice of what I write about, I think I'm pretty much revealing how I think about a lot of things by by choosing that topic um, without – I never want to write agenda books. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, th- I can only think of one book where I couldn't – I could not work up <laughs> much sympathy for the other side, and that was when it was based on the Sackett case, um, the – the EPA that went after uh, a couple in Idaho and told them that they, they had built on a uh, wetlands okay. and started suing them $80,000 a day. Not familiar. Uh, uh, they went to all the way to the Supreme Court, like 10 years, and the Supreme Court knocked them knocked the EPA down 9-0, which you know how many unanimous decisions there are. But it was such harassment of this couple. And I speculated in the oh, book on. The why EPA that The EPA lost
0: 9-0? Yeah,
2: twice. With the same couple because they wouldn't
0: stop. Um, oh. and, and yeah, it is hard. And it, those nine people aren't going to agree on anything. No. Because uh, when they know, even when they know, oftentimes they'll do a dissent just to like articulate a dissenting view. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like if you knew, like right. if, if a Supreme Court member knew something was going to be like, if they knew somehow it was four to four and they have a deciding vote, that's a different vote for them then mm-hmm. it's going to be like seven to two. If it's seven to two, I can take almost like a devil's advocate
1: mm-hmm.
0: approach and point out.
1: Lay out some concerns or. Yeah. Right, can, so for whatever.
0: something to fall nine zero is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, look,
1: not, I'm not, I, I never
0: heard of this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look about. that up. Yeah. Sackett
2: versus EPA. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in the book, I speculated at the end why these agencies were going after this couple. And my speculation turned out to be true. Um, and it was a private, it was an individual who was an ex federal employee who didn't like the, his, uh, view blocked by this house, but he knew which buttons to push. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought, well, that kind of, you know, and then when I found out that was true, I, I felt quite prescient.
3: Yeah. A personal <laughs> yeah. connected vendetta uh-huh.
0: can do a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. Yep. Huh. Yeah. When did you walk through hitting on on picket you know like, like what what work you were doing and then when did you say like well i need to do a um or maybe you didn't intend it this way i'm assuming you intended that you would find a character that you could serialize
2: no i did not intend it oh. uh, i i i was just i was uh writing about the endangered species act and the. Um, black-footed ferrets, and no. I fictionalized them into creatures called Miller's weasels that were found. <laughs> um, and at the time I was uh, working pa- on—
0: Pause for a minute. And tell me why. Why Why didn't it work as black-footed ferrets? Because then it would be too connected to the reality. Right. And
2: I didn't want to actually use the species because I, I wanted to give them my own characteristics. Because then it would be that you had gotten it wrong. Mm-hmm. I got it. it. It is funny though. Over the time, I still hear from people who say, I looked that up and there is no such thing. <laughs> I think, yeah. Got me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, but uh, it, I w- when I was working on the, the idea for this, doing the research, going to Matitzi, learning that, I was doing ride-alongs with a local game warden. Okay. And I and going to his house for
0: this researcher as your other job as
2: I was working as, as my other job as okay. like, working for the newspaper and saw that his you know state owned home, his kids running around, his wife answering the phone, acting as unpaid um, secretary receptionist yep. and uh, the, the game warden lifestyle. You know, there's in Wyoming, there's only 50 of them. They're very heavily armed, you know. They the guy I was with made the point that um, no other law enforcement officer is more likely to encounter armed people than a game warden. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, in in the West, and then it, and it, it it would amaze me how autonomous they really were. I met a couple of game wardens in Wyoming, old time ones who had never been to Cheyenne in their <laughs> lives, and they would never go. Never been to capital city. That's right, and they would <laughs> if they had to go, they were going to quit. So they ran their, <laughs> they, they ran their districts. It's going to
0: D.C. It's like going to their own state capital, So right? I just
2: found it fac- a fascinating thing. And I, plus I grew up being a little bit scared of the local game warden who oh, used, yeah. used to come to our school in Casper, Wyoming with a little spinning rod with a rubber ball on the end. And if you thought kids weren't paying any attention, he'd just shoot it across the room and bounce it off your forehead. Nice. That's a great idea. Yeah. Oh, I
4: might use that at yeah. home. Yeah. Why was the game idea.
2: warden visiting school? Just to talk to you guys or because he yeah. was investigating students? He, no, he would say things like, while you're here in this place, you listen to your teachers and your parents. If you go outside, I'm your boss. You know, hmm. wow. you have to answer to me. And everybody's <laughs> so more we were fear all scared of that type of guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like
0: going right to the source. That's right. And he, uh, he, he was goes, these are the kind people, of a famous people. game uh, I'll, word.
1: Spend my, I'll spend my whole career writing citations to these people. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Before, you, before <laughs> yeah. you stray from the straight and narrow, he's got to get there and deliver his message. And he arrested
2: me for hunting, shooting doves off power lines when I was in college. Um, but he let me go because I was in college. So I was on a good path. Mm. And he showed me that where he had arrested Dick Cheney fishing out of season same guy in <laughs> huh. casper wyoming and i when I, I visited cheney in the white house a few years later because his wife was a fan and all we did was talk about this game warden who arrested us both
0: that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> no kidding yeah huh i never heard that about dick cheney did he get a lot of but probably got a lot of media huh What he do? He's like in the wrong, he's in the creek that was closed or something? I
2: I don't know because there really aren't fishing seasons. So I don't understand that unless it was some specialized area. Fishing with bait
4: or something. Yeah, some kind of closure. That that could have been what it was. Could have been a spawning closure. Who knows?
0: So then you, I I got you sidetracked, but you're talking about the the development of running with the serial character. So you started building this character for your ESA. No. I Miller's Weasel guy. I wrote a book. I had it for 5
2: years um before a hmm. publisher really bought it it was penguin putnam which is a big publisher yeah and when they made the offer um for the contract they wanted two more books with Joe Pickett so that's they, how the series got they
0: going. made the offer off a completed
2: manuscript correct hmm. yep and they and they wanted two more they, can you do this they said and i said of course and I,
0: so and they, were ready, <laughs> they were they were they
2: were going to roll on it before they even saw how it worked, well, they knew that series. Uh, I mean, series work. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it, because it's a it's a pyramid scheme in a way. You know, somebody might pick <laughs> up book number twenty four and really like it and say, "I got to go get all of them to get up to this point." Happens with every hardcover book that comes out. All of mine, the backlist they call it all go. You know, all get sold. I mean yeah you ever That's hear amazing. they ever throw they ever use the term the halo effect on you I've not heard the halo effect, but I can <laughs> say uh when the uh, when this w- there was publicity for the current book and the uh twenty four year old open season appeared on some bestseller lists uh around really? the country last week wow that so it's did that you, kind of thing
4: did you start him out like as a rookie like has he aged in his career yes it like because he's got had a long career at this point. Yeah, distinguished. Yeah. That's one thing
2: about the books that's so unusual from a lot of series is that everybody ages in real time. Right. So his daughter, Sheridan, in, in book number one, seven years old. Yeah. Like a lot of the now
4: badass of espionage guys. Like there's just like badass espionage guys. Oh, yeah. Guys they go get a new one, one, one the one gets old. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. You well, know, right Sean Connery's yeah. out. We got to bring in <laughs> whoever's next.
3: Um, is this because you have several uh, recurring characters, but obviously the main one is the most is the deepest. Right. Right. But, um, is it like at this point having like a family member, like, you know, so much about him and how he would react to things. Like you just like, you know, well, he doesn't like flying on planes. right? Right. But, and I'm sure he doesn't like certain foods. He only drinks certain beer. He only has certain, you know, he's got all these little idiosyncrasies. So is it, uh, how close to reality is this fictional character for you? Not
2: that close to reality. I mean, um, but it, because I was a state employee and because I've hung out with game wardens and I, and I had this idea for the kind of perfect Western iconic kind of guide, um, Joe, and I named him Joe, I thought average Joe. <laughs> and the picket came from uh, Cheyenne Frontier Days, first first champion. Um, so I just, I had an idea for a guy. Um, a story about that a few years ago, um, I was in New York on a on a book tour and my publicist heard from this woman who said um, it was, turned out to be Gary Cooper's only daughter. Hmm. So she, he's, spent a lot of time in Montana, had read the book and thought I was channeling Gary Cooper in some way. And we went and had lunch together and she was fascinating, she told me about bird hunting with Ernest Hemingway and her dad growing up and now she's living in New York. And uh, But she was sure that I channeled Joe Pickett into Gary Cooper and, you know, who was I to say I, I didn't, right. you know, I, yeah. I, I wasn't going to argue with her, but it's average character.
3: Yeah, but but that's like the beauty of an average character, right? Like it hits a lot of those points with a lot of different people. Like they recognize things or there's in their family members or people that they know or people that they want to be.
2: And he screws up. I mean, he's not a blowhard. No, he's He's not like Dirty Harry or
0: something, you know? Right. He's not like, tell me, punk.
2: But I think it, it. I always think it increases the tension because you think he might just screw up again. You know? <laughs> yeah, you're never. He's not. He's in, you're just not going to win everyone.
0: When, when they when the publisher came to you and they were gonna, they're, they're like, okay, we'll take this one. Did they, they did did they make you do like a one pager or a one liner about what the other plot lines would be, or did they just they trusted you?
2: No, no. They they wanted it. They wanted some descriptions, yeah. and, and and I had written. A couple of um, manuscripts before the one was published that weren't very good, but the the plots were okay, the subject matter was okay. So I just made those Joe Pickett books, um, and said, okay, the next one's about you know a canyon, a crossing of a canyon, and the next one is takes place in the winter, and it's about federal the, a crazy federal land manager. Um, so they they bought into that, and then I then I went, but I've never been overseen. Um, what are you going to write? Never really, and the other thing that I've been shocked by over the years is I've never had anyone um, at, the, at New York Publishing say, we, we wish you wouldn't touch that subject. Oh,
5: that's such never a – Never happened. I like think that,
2: that's like a myth, man. It is. I think so. It's like a myth. I think we know some of the same people in publishing. We could talk about that. But none of them – they, they always say they want it to be more authentic, not that they want me to please them.
0: Yeah, I never. It's it's a thing that it's like such a thing in movies and stuff, or you, you know, this sort of this sort of guiding hand. And I'm sure mm-hmm. it exists in some aspects. Like I've encountered it in some aspects in some areas of media. I have absolutely encountered it. I have not encountered it in book publishing. I haven't either. I, I think I, there's I, still it's like a it's like a is beat up as book publishing has been. You know, with with changes in technology and how people like. How people use media and what they do, and how much the it's had to change. Mm-hmm. There still is a within that industry. There still is a sense of higher calling, a sense of purpose, a sense of free exchange of ideas, and they're just not as scared as other people. I think so. I think that's true. I I, I
2: think there are exceptions, and I hear about things sometimes, but mm-hmm. it, I've never personally. Um, run again, uh, run up. A, I've had a couple copy editors who, at times, anonymous oh, copy oh, editors dude. who write <laughs> some little thing in to, the yeah, side, little
0: digs from copy editors.
2: That's what I got. I get That's that so a funny lot. You run into that. Um, you know, I remember getting in argument with one where I because I I, I, used, I used the term Indian for Indian country news, which is a real newspaper Mm -hmm. done in South Dakota. And they changed the name to native American news. And I said, (laughs) no, that's what they call it. The people who write the newspaper who live on the reservation. That's so (laughs) funny because that's
0: the copy editor digs. Mm -hmm. That's the digs we'll get from copy editors is where they'll kind of do, they like to do, they do their normal work, which is great. And then they'll do little gotchas.
1: Yep. Yep. You know, they're suggesting you're wrong. You think about this wrong. And you kind of want to be like, listen, buddy, (laughs) I have a lot.
4: Stay in your lane. I have a (laughs) lot
0: of years in this area. Mm -hmm. And
1: that's the word I'm using. (laughs) (laughs) Given that you didn't envision this as a series, what was the day like when they said we want this and two more? I mean, was that just like a shock to you, or had the idea been floated? I'm just sort of wondering. Did you go on a big, did you go what, on a big bender. What day? <laughs> what What was that day like in your life as like a you know a writer? And... I was at an international travel trade show <laughs> at the time. For,
0: it was Berlin, was, in the I winter. Was, I was surrounded by all my clients. <laughs> the publisher calls me like, I'm gonna have to call you
2: back. Yeah, uh-huh. and I and I was just beside myself, you know. Yeah. And, and none of them understood. None of them knew I wrote. And I'm going on and on about, you know, three-book deal with, Put- with Putnam. with
1: yeah, like i a think a real they, publisher. And, yeah. I, and I thought they just— And they were they like, just...
3: old Chuck finally lost it. Huh? Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. <laughs> that's kind of
1: like beyond what you could have hoped for, right? Oh, yes, I mean, by far. Yeah. yeah
0: especially because
2: the book had been done for five years before um, <laughs> anything
0: happened. Oh, that'd be especially cool is to get money for something you'd already done. It's not well, like getting money. Yeah, now you gotta, I got to do, do it. Now you got to do it. Well, no publisher is going to- would have never taken to... <laughs> the money but knew and I had to do all that work. <laughs> no publisher is going to take a
2: first novel on spec. I mean, you have to have that book done and polished. Really, yeah. And um, it's just not going
0: to happen. I mean, oh, no, yeah, for novels, sure. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you can't rely on the concept to sell itself. Can I, I'll tell you a quick story about that first novel, because I-, I my wife thought it
2: was good enough. Why didn't the publishers, you know? Um, but uh, I had a, a, an agent in the, a New York. This is pre-internet, pre-email, all of that. Um, I'd gotten the name of an agent and I sent him physically, sent him the manuscript. And year after year, I would like call slush pile. Yeah. Who was the agent, him, can you say? And he'd go, uh,
0: what's that? Can you say who the agent was?
2: He's dead. Oh. So I don't want to say his name. I'll tell you later. Um, but... Uh, but uh, he, he'd, he'd get real, you know, real New York If he was alive, you'd want to say it. May, I would. Because um, <laughs> so I could see it going could to the him, him. Say, I'll then. say
0: stuff about dead people that
2: I wouldn't say about live people. Well, he'd say, you know, it, it, it's, it's, uh, there's no market for it. It's mm. not really traditional. It takes place like, in a weird part of the country. I'll let you know if something happens. And I, I didn't know how the business worked. I waited for four years. Um, and then I finally went to a uh, uh, conference where you pitch your book. And I was—I went in in Denver, Colorado, and I pitched it to this agent. It's called the Rocky Mountain Fiction Writers Conference. And I pitched the name of it. And, you know, this is what happens. And the agent said, I'm kind of interested in that. Do you have an agent? And I said, yeah. And he said, who is it? And I told him his name. He goes, you don't know he's dead, do you? Oh, my God. He'd been dead for (laughs) 18 months. Oh,
3: my God.
1: (laughs) Unreal.
3: You've nobody
2: have got thought, to be kidding.
1: This, is like, fr- this n- is like a bad novel about yeah. an aspiring writer. Nobody from oh, the agency let me know.
3: And it's a low ceiling, <laughs> shitty hotel ballroom that you guys are walking from fold up <laughs> table <laughs> to fold up exactly. table. And, exactly. Yeah. And then, wow. then the
2: word got around this thing. This guy from Wyoming with his dead agent and, and a 24, 20, 24 year old editor from Putnam was there and she had the right to acquire books for the first time so she, <laughs> she was just right seriously so I had an editor before I had an agent then I had to go get one you know a live one
0: <laughs> after that you're kidding me No, they're like buddy your agent's dead but I'm interested in the book and let's get you set up with a live agent <laughs> yeah. to ink the deal and this it, is
3: her first time having the authority to do this did you catch it Yeah, she, she wasn't yeah. the one I
2: pitched to she's the one who heard it over drinks in the bar that night
3: and oh, then I'm she really, then, wow. then she reached out. Did she slide in? She goes, you know, the company's paying for these drinks and stuff too. It's pretty. I cool. didn't meet her.
2: It came later.
3: <laughs>
2: at the time, did that editor wind up having some good success? She stuck. She stuck with it. I think through six books, and then she left publishing. Cool. But um, she did. She was my editor for my first six books.
1: You know, I would have published a novel if my if I had realized my agent was dead. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Randall's like, man, that's maybe that's what yeah. happened to my I first. Gotta, I gotta, to make a couple phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> it's been ten years.
0: Yeah. Uh, D- I'm trying to get to like the what next, but I'm still kind of held up on that little story because yeah, that's it like is. a that's like a it's like a comedy.
2: It, it is yeah. a bad, really bad comedy. Yeah, and, <laughs> and and again, it just seems to seem so long ago. But I mean, there was no internet. I couldn't look him up. Right. I couldn't say, oh God, there's the, my agent's obituary. I didn't know. So uh, I just, he kept huh. saying, quit calling me. And
0: I did. How long have you been married? Uh, 40 years. Soon to be 40 years. What's your wife think about all this? Does she think, did, she, did she used to think you were nuts or does she think you got what you deserve now? She has always been very supportive. She's a better reader than I am.
2: Reads more widely, really good editor. She's the one who gets the manuscript first. Um, she was the one who finally said, I think this book's good enough to go out there. So hmm. she's always been very supportive. My my daughters are as well. They get the first ma- they get the manuscript first before anybody else does. All four of them. That's cool. And they <laughs> write up their notes to me, and the, sometimes they're kind of cruel. And then, uh, <laughs> then I go from there. So, so I'll do kind got of all seriously a little family, family business.
1: Do they discuss it together behind your back and then come to you with their? Reviews, no, I don't, <laughs> not
2: behind my back. They they all have their own takes. On, yeah. On, on yeah. Things.
0: yeah. Yeah, uh, when my, like, if my wife looks at stuff I produce, it's 100%, like, completely critical.
3: There's no, like, oh, that's cute. And maybe some good of for based you. in last week's <laughs> argument about something totally different. Yes. Well, I don't want to say my wife's
2: completely critical, but we have had discussions when she's going over the manuscript, where I'll kind of say, you know, you could tell me that you like something. Sure. You know, as opposed to... She's and a, and do, she she's better about that. But she's doing she business. A when, star. when she reads it, she's yeah. doing a business. Star out there. Yeah, That's
0: awesome.
3: That's great. <laughs> nice turn of phrase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, how
0: many how many of your how many of your projects have you optioned for film and TV? Well, actually, all
2: of them. I mean, the, the Joe Pickett was, has been a TV series now for two seasons mm-hmm. it was on Paramount Plus. Um, it has not been renewed for a third season, but it's really complicated about the ownership on it, which has nothing to do with me. And then big sky was based on my Mm -hmm. other set of characters. And that was on for three years on ABC.
0: So when you do them, um, it's not like, it's not like your whole body of work. It's one-offs. No, when they when they, like, I mean, you're like all the whole C. Like, do you, have you have you made a deal for the whole C.J. Box thing, or is it just you do like individual pieces? Well, like well, they bought Pickett in general, in, in
2: general, yeah. I see, they yeah. they they actually name each book, um, hmm. you know, with, and the characters within it.
4: With uh, with the TV, like you you were talking about how you've had total autonomy, like writing. What's the experience been in TV? Like, have you? because you hear a lot of writers like oh you know i i want to just completely take my name away from that ver- that television version and so other authors that are involved with the tv show may not have that same opinion like where where viewed land it
2: really you know it really depends on the producers of the tv show itself it's different with everyone yeah. well the, uh, people on B- joe pickett were di- completely different than P- people on big sky in their approach there yeah. um, i always felt on big sky they just wanted to go their own direction with the character names yeah basically mm-hmm. um, after two seasons they had a uh, a conference call with all their writers and the executive producer saying Chuck can you give them some ideas and I held up the book and I said why don't <laughs> yeah. you read this yeah here's a whole book full of ideas and it didn't go over very well um, but uh whereas so you
4: the- just kind of g- gotta like be okay with you have to. Not, I'm have not going to be, be on the set
2: every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, it's it's too frustrating to be on the set. I mm-hmm. found. You know, when you hear when you hear an actress, who who's a character you created, say, "My character would never say this," <laughs> I heard that <laughs> in the hair f- headphones, yeah. and I thought, "Lady, I I made you. I could take you out. Your character." <laughs> you
1: <know>. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, your, it turns out you get in a car wreck. Your yeah. character yeah, literally
2: is. said this already. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But whereas on the Joe Pickett series, they were a lot closer to the books, very much. There's a lot of lines that came out of the books. I was mm-hmm. really pleased with that. But again, I didn't want to be on the set
0: every day. Yeah. You
2: know, it's, mm-hmm. it's would you have been welcome great.
0: on the set every day?
2: On the uh, Yeah. I mean, they're all, they're all very friendly, you know, um, but I feel like I'm in the way mm-hmm. and you just sit in the back room and watch the same scene 35 times.
0: And I, I'm
2: about, you know, I, I would go to visit for three days and leave after one.
0: The one writer I've talked to and, and and had on that really liked it and had a really great experience with the whole thing is talking to Jack Carr. Ah, mm. the team he wound up working with, um, from for, as expressed from him when we talk about the like, team he wound up really working on, like, would defer to his judgment, right? So he must have been on the set, yeah. Well, and just I... very involved, like very involved in the scripting. You know, you're always like trying mm-hmm. to smooth things out and quicken things and cut things and get somewhere quicker, right? Very involved in that. Um, very involved in like, no, he wouldn't do it that way. He'd do it this way. That's it. Yeah, it came a- away with a good experience. But man, most people, you most people, most writers, when you get into that, uh, they come away feeling burned. I brought up with Jack Hart. It's a great quote from uh, John Lacaray. Mm-hmm. Lacar? What does he go by? Lacar? I've I always, I think, Carre, I think it's
2: Lacaray. I think.
0: He said, "Watching your novel turn into a movie is like watching an oxen turned into a bullion cube." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and he that was not Jack Carr's experience, man. So it was nice to hear from someone that
2: liked it. it. It's really and and like I said, I had two different experiences. One, you know, one one set was really great, um, and they went were more were closer to the books. The other one wasn't. It's but. You know, it, it, people, I'm an executive producer on both shows sure. and, and yeah. the people ask, what does that mean? And I would say, that means I provide the source material and I cash the check.
0: That's all. That's just, that, you know? that title, while it seems great, you should just, talking to listeners, executive producer, um, take that with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it could mean that they were in there just battling and fighting and like. Finding the money and cultivating the idea and bled for it and took bullets for it. Well, or it could mean that it was already made. They were copied mm-hmm. on the email. Yeah, It was already made and they're like, oh yeah, I'll sign on to that. <laughs> it's it, it, it's just, it, it's the most, it's sort of like, it's the most, um it's the, the title that gets the most attention that is subject to the greatest amount of contextual understanding to know what in the hell that means. Mm-hmm. Because it can mean anywhere from everything to nothing, but it still says executive producer. <laughs> I've also
2: noticed the executive producers sometimes change from episode to episode. Mm. So I think there's just favors being paid back. Sure. So um, I don't know who these people are.
0: Now a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver And make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. I want to tell you about an American-made success story and Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. Black Buffalo is all about the history and tradition of dip, but they understand the convenience and discretion modern-day consumers are looking for. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches give you the versatility to consume discreetly but keep the ritual with Flavors Dippers Love. to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. Hey, everybody, I'm talking here about Montana Knife Company from our very own state of Montana. This company was founded by one of the most experienced master bladesmiths in the world, Josh Smith, who over recent months I've become friends with. And my God, have I learned a lot about knives from this guy. Just a phenomenal hometown company that makes world-renowned knives. Josh has been making knives for 30 years. You get one of these knives up and open it, it is sharp like something that came from outer space. And here's the deal. They make knives that can be sharpened. You can work on these knives. If you don't want to work on them, you send it to them and they'll work on it. They'll get it sharp. Phenomenal hunting knives. If you want to see them in action, we just did, uh, me and uh, John Hayes, the taxidermist, just did a video about how to properly skin a black bear. Um, watch that video, and in that video, you'll see Montana Knife Company knives in action. MKC products usually sell out in minutes of being released, which is true. But now, for the first time, they're dabbling with having knives in stock on their site. So right now, you can grab yourself a Blackfoot 2.0 or the Ultralight Speed Goat. Use code MEATEATER, and you get 10% off your first order. Montana Knife Company, working knives for working people. 10% off
4: with the code MEATEATER. That's a good deal. Your books, the Joe Pickett books, deal a lot with hunters and Mm -hmm. wildlife, which is something Hollywood like consistently screws up. Mm -hmm. Why, like, why can't they get it right? Like, what, like, is it just like the people don't bother to do the like right kind of like they get cops pretty good in Hollywood, right? A lot of a lot of
2: cops wouldn't disagree, but yeah, (laughs) right.
4: (laughs) But I'm just wondering what like. When when your the shows that were made from your books have had to deal with hunters or wildlife, mm-hmm. what's your experience you know what he, you know what
0: Brody just you know what he just did what he just committed was um, what's that that two names I was real hot on it for a while. It's not Max Planck. That's a research institute. <laughs> I know <laughs> Every, Max Planck. But no no I'm no, not, no, sure it's not what Max mean, Planck. Yeah. It's uh, uh, it's the two names. Uh huh. Comes from two journalists,
6: and it describes like a certain. It describes when you, you are subject. a
0: subject matter expert. Uh-huh. Brody just did it. Brody's I a subject know, matter expert this. in hunting. Uh-huh. He watches media portrayals of hunting. Uh-huh. Oh, Gel Man Amnesia.
6: Oh yeah, right. Oh, it's been a number of episodes. <laughs> You're still since telling we've me I have amnesia? He, no, memory. he just did
0: Gel Man Amnesia.
6: I'll find the official. It's this.
0: You're this is it? the perfect test case for Gelman man amnesia. Brody's subject matter expert in hunting. He watches movies, and he sees that they always get hunting wrong.
4: Or animals or whatever.
0: Okay. He goes, but then he says this. But with cops, they get it right. Gelman man amnesia is when you watch something as a subject matter expert, and you realize how wrong it always is, and then you forget that. And you think that they're right about the other stuff you don't know enough about to know sure. they're wrong. Meaning, if I read an article on, let's say I read an article on uh, Grizzly Bear delisting. I go to the, the New York Times, I read an article on Grizzly Bear delisting. You're so taking was,
4: a long time to get where you're going. Well, <laughs> No. What's taking a long time?
0: I read it, and I'm like, that's really not a great job. Right? They missed this, they missed that, they misrepresented this. But then I go and read a thing about the stock market, the quagmire in the Russian Ukraine war, and I come away from that feeling that I now understand what's going on in well, the Russian Ukraine war. I guess
4: I've read a lot about like actors doing months of ride-alongs with cops and doing a lot of research and things. Like I'm, like I'm not just. Well, he's getting defensive,
0: but he shouldn't be getting defensive. Well, no, I like you said it, and then he said cops would disagree. Yeah. Well, okay. the answer cops is cops. Probably think they always get cops wrong in the movies, but hunters. Now they get that right. <laughs> <laughs> this,
6: this is what's interesting. I just I didn't know this. This is Wikipedia, so I have to further fact check. But, uh and amnesia," coined by American author Michael Crichton in a two thousand and two oh, speech. Oh, so he's dead. No, he's <laughs> dead. No, no, we can no, talk about him. It's maybe just like a case of misremembering, quote unquote. Named after American physicist Murray Gell Mann, which is G E L L M A N N. And the gentleman amnesia effect is, according to Wikipedia, the phenomenon of people trusting newspapers for topics which they are not know- knowledgeable about, despite recognizing them to be extremely inaccurate on certain topics which they are knowledgeable about.
0: It's a great yeah. word. It is. Yeah. It's almost as good as the word she couldn't find, which is when you only use part
2: find of the same. Yeah. <laughs> I think to answer, I mean, there are very few people, that I have met
3: very
0: can, can few. Can you pause
4: for pe- one moment? Sure.
0: Bro, oh, I'm not oh, hacking on
4: oh. <laughs> Oh, that—that's—that's
3: that's what it sounded welcome like. Welcome to the well, podcast. No, yeah. <laughs> but I don't see Brody getting all spun up here either. So. Yeah, no, he's a little no, he's he's because he's, he's simmering. You Brody simmer? like no no Brody's no. Brody's
0: emotional line throughout the day is like, <laughs> right? Not, Brody's not like. You, you don't like wonder what Brody you're going to get on any given day. He's like this. Yes. So you need to look for like very slight undulations,
4: which yeah. are actually like. He's a, not wrong. I, are, thought a, I, I thought he was telling me I was
3: like. So I think this is an, a perfect example, right? Like that somebody who understands the subject is picking up on the nuances. They're entertained. They know it's a majestic animal. I'll give you an example. But Hollywood goes, but wouldn't it be better? If it just stood up and scratched the air <laughs> Here, and, yeah, yeah. and had blood here's dripping a, off its face. Here's a
4: great example. Uh-huh. Like, I recently watched <laughs> the first episode of the new season of True Detective. Because everyone's yeah. talking yeah. about this show. And in the very first scene, there's a native Alaskan hunter, like, drawing a bead on some caribou. And it's a herd of, like, <laughs> CGI caribou. Yep. They're all giant bulls. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And some unknown thing alarms this herd of caribou. And they all start roaring. And it's like, but like, yeah. huge roars, you know. And it's like,
6: and then they all man, like, that's not a
1: real. The thing. They, they all run off
0: the
4: cliff, mm-hmm. but it looked good, you know. But it, but the cop scene,
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: But the cop from Queens, dead on, <laughs> yeah. I don't know anyway. how to answer
2: that. It, it drives me crazy too. Yeah. Um, even, and I wouldn't even say – I would even say in the, the series that are based on my books, or some things sometimes where I just yeah. cringe or if I'm watching it with – we did kind of a little local premiere last year of the Joe Pickett series. And there were a couple things in there that had to do with animals and hunting and people just moaned, you know, and I thought, <laughs> oh, it didn't come yeah. from me. Um, it's just the fact that the people who are making it have no experience at all and no background. But they to, don't to bother like
4: – calling someone.
2: Well, I mean, how many times I'm a fly fisherman. How many times on TV or movies have you seen a fisherman go with a fly God. rod whipping <laughs> that thing back and forth like a twitch? And would you think somebody there would say that's not how you cast? Um, but no one did.
0: And you know, go, what what would Joe what does Joe Pickett think of a fly fisherman? So what's fisherman. But what does he think of you? Me? Yeah, give give me you through his eyes.
5: You're out fishing.
2: <laughs> um, I think since I have encountered game wardens, I think uh, he'd be respectful, and he'd also check my license and make sure I had a conservation tag, and arrest me if I didn't. Okay,
1: not give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. Once you're, once you've you know you've written all these novels, and you probably didn't really have an inkling that they would be. Uh, you know turned into tv now when you write novels is it different you, not at all. you're not mm. you don't like see your characters as the oh, actor yeah. i mean that's sort Come of what on. i was wondering like, really not you're, at you're all
0: you're lying no i'm not i i do not um you don't tweak it just to try to
1: change increase the like, odds
0: that it'll be better on TV. it's like one
1: of those things I, I have to imagine it'd be like one of those things where once you've seen something depicted one way you it's sort of in the back of your mind, even though you're. Well, you had already written a ton of those books before they became. That's TV. the thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, right. um, the, the Joe Pickett TV show is uh, covers the first three books. That's right. twenty one years ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to write something in the current one where Joe Pickett is fifty one. Mm, to, yeah. to make that make it yeah, yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And so I don't think about that in the other books. The what the Big Sky Cassie duel, totally different character, totally yeah. different. I mean, they from the get go, completely different than yeah. in the book.
0: What else? I, another thing I wanted to ask you about with, like, the, the fiction and the reality of your existence. Uh, how, how, like, how informed is Pickett's relationship with his children with you and your children? Because there's kind of like a like an, an observation of not necessarily hip to the times, mm-hmm. not tech savvy. That's right. <laughs> misses a lot. Like, is that was that your experience?
2: To, to a lot, to to a large degree, yes. Yeah. Uh, and I have three daughters. Joe Pickett has three daughters. So um, mine are different ages. Mm-hmm. Um, all three of my daughters think Sheridan, the oldest one, is based on them. <laughs> <laughs> the other two, you know, I don't know where they come from. Um, but because I know they're going to read the books, I know they're involved with them, I know they're going to offer notes, um, you know, that that that's somewhat limiting at times what's going to happen with the daughters because I don't want to. Don't want to make it get personal. Oh, um, but you've all—you've
3: never taken advantage of that to like immortalize some major screw up in high school. Suddenly, right? suddenly, no, Sheridan some terrible realized she'd never
1: shown home. her father enough respect. Though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. no, that's I, ta- I take—I some of their lines and some her. of their
2: dialogue and incorporated <laughs> it at times, and they've recognized that. But you don't
0: like but... air out their dirty laundry. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, has the um, with the economics of it. Does the TV stuff like financially, does that just immediately eclipse the, the writing end of it where from like a money-making perspective, you think of yourself more as a person that generates TV ideas? No. Um, the, the way I look at the TV shows
2: are one hour commercials for my books okay not I mean, as oh. and, and they and, it. and and it creates a lot more awareness of the books but in terms of financially these days with a million streamers and a million different you know ways to either do shows or see them it's not very, it's not that lucrative got it. anymore hmm. um but the commercial aspect being a commercial has made a big difference you got know it. since the Joe Pickett TV show came out like we're looking at the current book I just heard the other day the pre-sales are up forty nine percent from the last book. That's wow. huge for oh. a big dude. Book. You're blowing 49%. up forty nine percent, and I've got to attribute a lot of that to the TV show. People hmm. are interested in the series for the first time because I don't know what else it comes. It would come from man.
0: It's a, it's a, what an interesting career you've had, though. I've I've had th- three really interesting careers. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I like because it's like it just, it's just it's such a. Uh, Oh man, it's like American elbow grease, you know, like going to those lonely ass, depressing conferences, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well,
1: it, trying to like,
0: yes, you know, it's like a lot of people got too much pride for that, man.
1: Ah,
2: I don't know. I mean, it, that's it's kind of a glamorous job to do international travel. It sounds better than no, it no. Is. I'm not
0: talking about that. I'm talking about no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm not. I don't showing I don't, up at a don't I Think I was disrespecting your business. Oh, not, meant, not at all. I meant going down and and like showing up at something and just trying to hustle to find a to find, a, to find an agent, to find an editor. All that. Do you yes. know what I mean? Like you gotta bury the pride, you know, and go down there and and, and you're not coming in with connections. That's like, true. You're walking to the door trying to, you know, trying to do it. And it's like a sort of it's a tough position to, you know, it's just a tough position to be like, oh hey, you know, check out my book. Check out my novel. It's just hard, man.
2: It is. And it it, it it's, you know, I mean, this is not not any secret to you or anything you're not used to, but I mean, um, how many people in their profession have an Amazon comment section about every single thing they do, mm-hmm. um, where people from all over the world can weigh in. And they all say, it doesn't matter what book is out there. They're going to say, he's doesn't even write them anymore. You can tell, oh, you know, yeah, he, yeah. he mailed this one in kind of thing, no matter what book it is. And you just, you've just got to keep cranking away. You know, it's going to happen. I could, all you can do is look at the average, not the yep. high, or super highs and super lows.
0: So do you have it be that everything you have to say, you just say it through your book, and if you don't say it through your book, you don't say it?
2: Except privately, yes, I do. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's a good way to go. Hmm. Um,
4: do you have a um, like an agreement with the publisher? Like, What's your timeline? Like, Do you try to get one out every- One a year, right? I have a contract and a deadline. Yeah.
2: yeah. Hmm. It, 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 you know, every- Either October or September. So on a certain a day, they get d- the deal. I, I'm yeah. always ahead of deadline. I've never, never really? been late. No. Do you
0: ever bring in a collaborator?
2: No. And I don't think I could. I, I can't think. Of, the only, I could conceivably maybe write with one of my daughters, you yeah. know, cause I think we think alike, but, um, I did a short story once with another author who was a great person, but it was not fun and it didn't go well. Hmm. Just two different processing
1: when you uh i was uh, i last week i was at the bozeman public library and he went you know through the stacks and i just figured oh i'll go check out your what turned out to be three shelves (laughs) right (laughs) that's good and so of of inventory well and i I, you know they it's funny because you know some of them were they had one copy others i mean i was i was shocked how Many of these books, they had like two or three copies on the shelf. And I was just, it occurred to me as you're talking earlier, going to that section in the stacks and looking for where your book would go. Do you go back to, uh, have you been back to the Casper Public Library and just sort of see if they got you in there? Reflected on that spot because you probably never imagined it would be a whole half a. No, I never there. have.
2: I, I have done that. I still do that. And, and I yeah. also do it in bookstores. It's
1: got to be pretty surreal.
2: Um like airport bookstores. That's always a... You never know. Um, yeah. I never say who I am
4: until I find out for sure they have the book there. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to... Um, you're going to keep going with Joe Pickett till you can't go anymore. Are you can yep. do something different or. No, I, I have done some other things yeah. and I, and I,
2: I've got some ideas down. The, some ideas are can't be Joe Pickett books. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the serial killer highway mm-hmm. driver. yeah. The Daggett, did, did that
0: get optioned?
2: That, beca- that was part of the big sky um, oh, that was, series. Okay. That's hmm. how it actually started okay. out with that book and that story. But, um, so uh, I'll have, I have some other ideas. There'll
4: probably be different ones. But you're not going to stop writing and just ride off no, into the sunset. No.
2: Joe Pickett, like I said, is. Fi- I had to figure that out a few years ago. Go back from the very first book. How old was he? 34? <laughs> and then plot him. the So you that guys stage. like age
4: at the, the same rate? Right. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'm older. I'm older yeah. than Joe Pickett.
2: Yeah. So when he's ready to retire, I'll be ready to yep. retire, I think.
0: Really? Yeah, I think so. Well, he's got to have 20 years now. He's, well, he's got- <laughs> No, he's got to have 30,
2: right? Sorry, right, he's got to have 30. And not every book is a year apart. Some of them are back to back. Some of them yeah. are months mm-hmm. later. No. So I can kind of play around with that.
0: Hmm. So you picture quitting someday?
2: Although well, there, there, inevitably, there'll be some point. I, I think if I start getting bored with it or if I start thinking I'm retelling the same story, um, then I think I'll know to, to pull the plug. Yeah. I don't want to do that. I think everyone needs to be a standalone in its own way. And when I'm rehashing the formula, which I'm a reader too, and sometimes long-time series, I start thinking, I think I've read this one before. Um, I I want to get out before anybody says Mm -hmm. that or thinks that.
0: You know what prevents me from being able to watch serial dramas on TV is inevitably you get some number of episodes in. It could be four or five. It could be season two. And you can start to smell the writers.
4: Stretching it out. Trying to keep it going. Yeah. Uh-huh. I
2: understand. Now you go back <laughs> yes. to Dukes of Hazard, <laughs> <laughs>
0: And it would be that you have this cast of characters. And like every week a bad man. Yeah. A bad person comes to town with some kind of nefarious objective. Um, They get vanquished. And just.
4: It's like Scooby Doo. Yeah, that's
0: exactly what I was right. thinking of. I was about to say Scooby Doo. I could somehow, I, I could somehow tolerate that, but it's the it's the storyline dramas, Deadwood, <laughs> which I was I, enthralled with at first, but eventually became like, oh, I can see now, like it's about time someone new comes to town, mm-hmm. <laughs> and once you once I it understand. seems unnatural and you smell it, oh, it kills it for me. Mm-hmm. But dude, I'm like I'm jealous of uh, I'm jealous of your career and program hmm. because I because the way I, I probably imagine it wrong. Everybody imagines everybody else's life wrong. <laughs> I imagine that you get to just like when professionally for work, you're just uh, like you'll you occupy a single space, right? Yes, and it, and it rolls along. And there's not like these radical resets. Right. I, th- I mean, uh, yes. And I, I just,
2: I, I was pinch myself and, you know, I have the best job in the world. I think, you know, I, I go into my little office above our horse barn and, um, do so many words a day and then go out and do whatever, you know, how many right? words, hmm. uh, that's, that's a minimum much. of a thousand, but some wow. days I can hit three, 4,000. Some days it's a struggle to get that thousand.
0: What time do you get up?
2: Uh, I get up early, but I don't begin writing early necessarily. It's that's usually, you know, ten or eleven when I'm actually start writing. Yeah. What when, time do you wrap it up? Whenever I hit my word count, or whenever I start to just feel kind of mentally tired. Just ballpark it for me. <laughs> uh, usually you're at two two thirty. No. Yep. So I, I think about. It. I have it. Three or four hour a day. That's not bad.
0: Well, I... But I used to do... The, when I was just writing, I did the same thing. I'd be done early. But you're always thinking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's what mm-hmm. I
2: tell my wife when she thinks I'm just staring. I, no, I'm thinking. I'm working. But it's also you know what, like...
4: <laughs> you can't write for eight or ten hours straight. Nope. Like nobody... Like it's impossible. I've talked
2: to people who say they do. And uh, I, I kind of doubt know. that. Oh, yeah. that whole...
0: <laughs> That whole idea, we used to have this that don't grad school. That'll put you in the money yeah. bin. Uh, that you're like, everybody thought you're going to be like Charles Bukowski, you know, that you're <laughs> bleeding for your work. Yeah, you're like drunk at <laughs> like, three in the morning, yeah. writing all this genius stuff, you know? I would be basically, if I was writing, if I was writing, that meant I was probably at night drinking because I was mm-hmm. in town, home. So I'd wake up, be kind of hungover, do my correspondence, like answer emails, do whatever I had to do. Uh, do research stuff for a while and then i would like actually this i would lay down under my desk on my back and fall asleep huh and that would be my that would reset my brain and i would sleep but i can't sleep long on my back so it might be 20 minutes maybe an hour whatever it would be i would sleep under the desk i would wake up bam I would sit up, get in my desk, and do all the writing I was going to do. Two, three hours. And then I would go read. And continue doing the research stuff. Mm -hmm. And then by early, not early afternoon, by way before dinner, um, Time to start drinking again. I was done. Oh, I was done. (laughs) And then at that time, my wife had worked about ten at night. So I would, oftentimes, I would make for two of us, I would make dinner that would take me 4 hours to prepare. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's when I got like really into cooking. Oh,
1: that's interesting. Huh. Cuz I didn't know what to do cuz she wouldn't she wasn't going to leave
0: work till a million hours from now. to use up that
1: time somehow. Yeah, and
0: I'd be like, man, I'm going to make it's the craziest thing anybody's ever eaten. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> that was done.
2: I was done. But yeah, I th- I find not the writing the hardest thing as years go on, but but making myself get the time to write is harder now than the actual writing is. Because now you're a
0: writing business.
2: Yeah. Well, there's a lot more demands. There's a lot more things going on. Um, So what I try to do is is basically get the book done in the dead of winter when there's not a lot Hmm. going on so that I'm available to fish as much as I can and play golf as much as I can and float the river as much as I can. So right now it's game
0: on writing time.
2: That's right. And I'm about two thirds done with the next Joe Pickett book, um, which I think I'll have done before summer starts. Wow, I got grandkids too. That's the biggest thing ever. I, when they're around, I don't want right. to have to retreat to the barn. I like know.
0: that that you still, uh, even though you're a writer, which is so modernish, that you still have a sort of uh there's a seasonality. You know, there's like an awareness of the solar <laughs> cycle, right? Like you got to get it done in the winter, you know.
2: Well, you know what I find, so. I can write about, I can I can write about the summer better in the winter and the winter better in the summer because it makes myself make it forces me to really think of all those things yeah. and not just take them for granted
0: well now if not if you're writing about the winter in the winter you'd be like kind of sucks yeah, <laughs> yeah. One,
4: one thing i noticed like early on yeah. in in this book was like this guy has spent a lot a lot of time outside at a very particular time in the fall like oh yeah you're describing the 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 brightness and sharpness of the light and the colors of the leaves and there's only like a couple days like that in the mm-hmm. fall where it's like everything's super intense in and october you yeah, always in, know in, yeah in, early yeah. october maybe and i was like This guy's been out there on that kind of day. And where
2: this book opens, it's on the bend of a river with, little super fall colors and a fly fisherman in the river. And then a grizzly bear comes pounding down the mountain and hits him. That's where I fish. And uh, it's actually on a private ranch. And the ranch owner, I gave him that chapter and he said, "I, I can't go back there now. That's all I can think about is a bear getting me, you know? Yeah.
4: So. No, but it was like, yeah, that that's that one or two days in the fall, you know, that you get in the mountains. It's cool. Well, man, Thanks. like I said,
0: I got a ton of respect for um, what you've built and, and also just how you came up, you know, that you knew what you wanted to do and and set out to do it. Well, likewise, it, and it wasn't handed to you. No, I had to. Eat. I didn't have to do what you did. Well, I just—I re-
2: remember I was actually on a book tour um, early on uh, at a bookstore, and the bookstore owner came to me and said, "You want to know the best book I've read this year?" And it gives me *American Buffalo*, and, uh, and oh, I Tell I, the guy, "I said thanks." I, I will, <laughs> and and I loved it. My wife loved it, and uh, I, I think I gave it to my daughter, who didn't return it, so I had to go get a new copy. But hopefully, she um, liked I, it. Too. I, I love that.
0: Tell everyone he wrote that. He used to sleep under his desk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, CJ Box has a new Joe Pickett novel out, Three Inch Teeth. Great cover. Can you see this cover here, Phil? Looks great. A few people are listening, um, and you can't see it. I don't know what to tell you.
6: There's a grizzly bear in the center.
0: Find it at your local bookstore yep. That's right. where you
1: can see the cover.
0: It's got some steam coming up. That, when you see that steam, are you picturing hot springs? Or are you picturing... Uh, <laughs>
1: Steam-breathing grizzlies. I'm kind of thinking
0: just foggy, foggy Fogs, woods. <laughs> Steam-breathing so
4: grizzlies. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm. CJ Box. There's an endorsement right on the front. Joe Pickett is the one man you'd want by your side in a crisis. Number one New York Times best-selling author. And the new title is Three-Inch Teeth. Check it out now. Available Anywhere books are sold, and under the B at the local library. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he's already cased it out, and he's found the slot, and it should That's be right. full. Thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, it's it. my—I've I've been looking
2: forward to this for a long time. Like i am am a fan. It's really fun, and well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys.
0: Best of luck Great. with your book. I hope it keeps steaming along. I will. And uh, thanks for being such a like. uh, I think of you as a a, an American inspiration story. (laughs) So we need to see more out of you, Americans. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Look what what you can do if you put your mind to it. Thank you. Thanks, man.
3: Mo beans,
0: mo beans, pole beans, mo beans. Talking about beans out there on the pole. Better look hard. Find some more, some more beans, pole beans. There's a couple over there, a few more right there. One over there, beans everywhere. More beans, pole beans. Fresh set eyes, find more beans, more beans, pole beans. Telling you what, decked is a game changer. Decked has completely changed how I load, organize my truck. All my stuff that I want is always in there, out of my way, and secure. It's perfect. If you own a pickup truck that you use, you know, like a truck, the decked drawer system gives you weatherproof storage for all your gear. You can lock it up too. You keep your tools and gear organized, job site or out in the field. Go to decked.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping. Go to decked.com slash meat eater and get yourself some free shipping. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without your essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. Man, I was just in Hawaii and I had my Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie with me.